something. All right, listen. So we can um, <laughs> we're gonna invite onto the show here James Corbett. Uh, you're gonna know him from Corbett Report, uh, the Corbett Report. Um, and we're going to talk to him about, uh, I'm actually very interested, recently he had Roger Veron to talk about voluntarism, that kind of thing. Good stuff. That's kind of cool. Uh, James Corbett, is he's uh, been in Japan since 2004. He has edited over a thousand hours of audio and video media for uh, the, the website uh, CorbettReport.com. Uh, he's... He produces video reports for GRTV. Uh, his work has been carried online by a wide variety of websites. Uh, video productions are broadcast on the Next News Network, and mm. his videos have garnered over 15 million views on YouTube alone. So, Mr. Corbett, thank you very kindly for joining us today. It is a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to be here, and I should update that because I think it's approaching 17 or maybe 18 million by now. So uh, it's a bit out of date. Goodness, Good stuff. Good people stuff, have man. seen what you've done. That's really cool. <laughs> I, so, so okay, James, where I don't know, where do we want to start? Because recently there's been Benghazi. I know that you are uh, well-educated on that, and I have really not been paying attention to that at all. Uh, so you know what? Yeah. Maybe that's a good place to start. Yeah, let's do that. So, James, give me an overview for the for the ignorant for the ignorant among us. You know, basically people like me. Tell me what the Benghazi situation was when it started, and kind of an overview of how it's evolved since that point. That's right, because as people who have been keeping their eyes on the newswires probably know, it has once again crept up into the news. So it's a good time to go back and, and reflect, refresh ourselves mm. if we uh, were following it at the time or maybe to get into it in the first place. But basically, Benghazi is, is the second largest city in Libya. Uh, it has a population around 670,000 people, or that was the census in 2006. Uh, it's the capital of the eastern region of Libya called uh, Cyrenaica. And it's a politically very important part of uh, of Libya, um, and because it is so economically strategic, and it has it's a port city, so uh, the basically the oil shipments go out from there, and it's so it's a very important um, part of of Libya, and it was also one of the flashpoints where the February two thousand eleven protests started that uh, that set off the the NATO invasion that ended up in the overthrow of Gaddafi's government and the murder of Gaddafi. And, uh, and of course, we all remember uh, Hillary Clinton getting the, the message about uh, Gaddafi being killed and, you know, mm. her famous, uh, he, he, we, we came, he saw, we saw he died. And, uh, and after that pronouncement, the mission accomplished, as it were, to put the bow on the, on the, on the present for uh, the NATO powers, the, Libya basically disappeared from the, uh, the corporate media radar. Mm -hmm. um, not surprisingly, as we see with all of these imperialist interventions around the world, once the, uh, once the main mi mi mission objective has been accomplished, who cares about these people we were supposedly defending by dropping bombs on top of them? So that was kind of the, uh, the, the kind of denouement of the, the whole Libya uh, operation until September of 2012. And it was September 11th, 2012, specifically in the evening when about 150 gunmen uh, identified as being members of Ansar al-Sharia, uh, al which is an al-Qaeda-affiliated group, arrived at the diplomatic mission in Benghazi, which is sometimes kind of liberally referred to as a, a consulate, but it was really just a building that was housing the U.S. Uh, State Department contingent there, including Ambassador J. Christopher Stevens. Hmm. Uh, now, on the night of September 11th, 2012, these Gunmen arrive at the uh, at the, uh, the 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 consulate the the mission uh, around nine forty p.m. and they begin attacking. Um, they're an armed group and they begin attacking the the, uh, the diplomatic mission. And about forty minutes later, at uh, around ten twenty p.m., we have a contingent coming 
to the rescue of the people there at the uh, the diplomatic mission from a nearby CIA annex that was about one mile away. And this contingent uh, fights off and, and holds off the gunmen for about an hour before taking the survivors back with them to that CIA annex about a mile away. The, the gunmen follow, follow them there and continue the fighting. The fighting continues on into the early hours of the morning. And uh, when all is said and done, two U.S. Uh, diplomatic personnel, including Ambassador Stevens, are dead. And two uh, security personnel, um, including... Uh, basically two, both ex and Navy SEALs who were CIA security contractors there at the CIA annex were also dead. So four people in total. And at the time, of course, this was just two months before the 2012 uh, presidential election. So right, yeah. obviously politically a very important, sensitive issue. You know, what did the commander in chief know? When did he know it? How did they respond? Were they prepared for it? All of those types of political issues that you would expect to swirl around this. And so it became something of a, a, a political issue. Um, and as a result, sort of seeing that that whole brouhaha forming on the horizon, UN Ambassador Susan Rice made the rounds of the Sunday morning talk show circuit that weekend, uh, basically assuring everyone that th- this was an offshoot of the protests that were sweeping across the region hmm. uh, at the time as a result of a a video that was posted to YouTube that was insulting the Prophet Muhammad and it caused these um, Muslim riots in in. Uh, in Egypt and other places, they said it was all part and parcel of those protests, and that was what this was all about. Eventually, of course, it came out that this had absolutely nothing to do that, with that. There was no protest in Benghazi. It was an, a coordinated attack on specifically on the U.S. Uh, diplomatic uh, mission there. So once that was once that came to light, it, the the political angle of this shifted to well, then when did the Obama administration know that this was an Al Qaeda attack, and and what were they covering up with regards to this, and and it, it became about that because, of course, Obama campaigned heavily on him being the, the man who killed the corpse of Osama bin Laden or whatever <laughs> that ridiculous story we're expected to believe with there. Right. Um, so so that that became the, the kind of political spin towards this. And this is kind of this has persisted for the last whatever, well, almost two, two years now. Um, uh, sort of political back and forth with the, the, the sort of the, the right wing, the Republicans saying that this is a big cover up and they're, they're, they're covering up their incompetence and, and the bungling and, um, and Al Qaeda, you know, um, ability to strike against U.S. forces and blah, blah, blah. And then the left wing saying, oh, it's just a, you know, a mountain out of, uh, out of a molehill. There, there's really no, no there there and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> so the latest, the latest uh, news, just this past week, Judicial Watch received some FOIA documents from the State Department, and they released them. And uh, that those documents include an email from Ben Rhodes, who is a communications officer in the National Security Wing of the Obama White House. He sent an email to Rice at the time that this was all uh, swirling around. Basically telling her specifically to connect the, the attack to the, the video protests. And so this uh-huh. supposedly is the big smoking gun. Oh, look, they, they, they specifically were telling Rice to, to connect this to the video. Um, so they were covering up that this was an al-Qaeda attack, blah, blah, blah. So this is the big smoking gun that the Republicans were waiting for. As a result, the House Republicans are launching a new um, special uh, committee to investigate this. Uh, Boehner just announced today that this, this committee is going ahead and they've – um, they've subpoenaed John Kerry to to testify at this. So this is where this is going to at this point. And this is kind of the main mainstream narrative of, of Benghazi and Benghazi Gate. But 
for people who who have been watching this, there's a lot of smoke swirling around this issue. And while it is true that where there's smoke, there's fire, it's also true that where there's smoke, there's a smoke screen. And I think that the political <laughs> wrangling over this is the smoke screen of this issue. We've got this left-right debate and to talk about, you know, the Al-Qaeda boogeyman and all of this. But all of this really misses the point of what happened at Benghazi. And that is an absolutely fascinating story that has spilled out in drips and drabs over over uh, several months and uh, and even from very very mainstream sources even CNN back in August of last year broke the story quote unquote broke the story that there were dozens of CIA operatives on the ground during the Benghazi attack in fact CIA personnel were swarming all over Benghazi during that attack as you might expect, there being hmm. a CIA annex just a mile away from the uh, the diplomatic mission. And this raised a, a, a lot of question marks at the time that this was being reported by uh, by CNN. And that uh, the question of what the CIA was actually doing there started to become an issue that at least was being tentatively raised in the mainstream media. And the CIA basically refused to, to really say what the, the, the scope of the mandate of their mission was, what they were doing there, why they were there. And uh, in fact, it's, it came out that they were giving monthly uh, polygraph tests to the CIA personnel, personnel who had knowledge of their Libyan, of their Benghazi operation specifically, to make sure that they weren't spilling the secrets um, to, to the media. I mean, just hmm. unprecedented kind of levels of security around what the CIA were really doing there. So obviously, this is getting towards the heart of, of of what was happening there. And there's a couple of different things that we can piece together from this um, from a few different insider sources. Now, we have this coming from, from at least three different sources that I've seen that, that all corroborate each other's story. We have uh, Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Schaefer, who some people might remember. He was a, a whistleblower of Able Danger, which was a program that the Pentagon was running, the, the Defense Intelligence Agency that supposedly identified some of the 9-11 alleged hijackers before 9-11 and, and all of that kind of stuff. And he wrote a book um, – trying to blow the whistle on what he knew um, that the Pentagon actually bought the entire first run of that book and destroyed it. Um, so nothing nothing to see there, I suppose. Hmm. Um, uh, so that's one of the sources of this. Another is Robert Tosh Plumley, uh, who was a former CIA contract pilot. He started with the CIA in the 50s. And he uh, was also a whistleblower of Iran-Contra. He was uh, he blew the whistle on the fact that he was running drugs uh, down uh, out, uh, sorry, out of the... Uh, uh, out of South America and running guns into the Contras. So he was part of the the, the blowing the whistle on that. And he's also had CIA contacts um, uh, telling him about what was going on in Benghazi. We also have James and Joanne Mar- Moriarty, who were a couple of U.S. business people who were in Libya since 2007. They were there in 2011 when all of the chaos was unfolding. And they have contacts with uh, some of the Libyan tribal chiefs and others um, who, who fed them information about what was going on in Benghazi. And all of these sources, uh, when we start to piece the information together. We're kind of backing into this story from from all of these various sources. But basically, the story is that Ambassador Stevens was killed as part of a hit because he knew about the CIA operations that were going on, supposedly, quote unquote, to secure the weapons that were floating around uh, Libya at the time. But in reality, to take those weapons and ship them to Syria via mm. either Turkey and or Jordan and or Pakistan. All three of those have been named, but certainly there were, the Turkish ambassador was there visiting the Benghazi diplomatic mission on the day that, uh, that Stevens was killed. 
Um, uh, and the story is that Stevens was killed basically to shut him up because he was concerned about the uh, the information that he was getting about this operation, and they were scared he was going to go blow the whistle to Congress. Uh, he's killed as part of this hit, and as part of this uh, this whole operation with these these gunmen that uh, that, that swirl around and, and come to the uh, to the diplomatic mission and 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 actually take part in the operation. The two, specifically those two Navy uh, SEALs that end up dying, um, basically the, the, the CIA weren't just going to sit there and watch this. They actually broke the stand down orders that they'd been given and went and to the aid of these people because yeah. of the firefight that they put on at the diplomatic mission and holding off uh, the gunmen for, for enough time for the military's drones to fly over and see what was happening there. So the U.S. military was in, uh, became aware of what was going on and that started to kick in a whole other series of operations. So basically U.S. AFRICOM was being alert, alerted to what was going on and, and they were getting orders not to, not to, to, to approach uh, Benghazi, not to to give a hand to what was going on. So this starts to bring in other uh, entire other sections of the U.S. government that weren't planning to be involved in this at all. This was all supposed to be a covert operation. It spun way out of control, and uh, those those Navy SEAL uh, CIA officers end up dying as a result of it, um, as a result of their efforts to try to hold off the attack. Um, so basically, this this is uh, what was meant to be a covert hit that that spun way out of control, and and as a result, now it's being spun off into this left right political charade um, as a way of covering up what this was really about at base. And along those lines, I mean, there are several different pieces that we can connect from this, including, of course, the fact that we we uh, it's been widely reported now that somehow magically imagine that the Syrian rebels, the the terrorists, really the terrorist insurgents in Syria, somehow or other managed to get these uh, Stingers uh, anti aircraft missiles and other incredibly advanced military weapons technology. Where did they get them from? Oh, that's right, the the security operation in Megasi to secure the Libyan um, uh, stashes. <laughs> Um, so that oh, wow. that's that's been confirmed from that angle, and then uh, there's just other bizarre aspects of this story that play into this, including a report from May of last year that came out that the U.S. State Department had hired a group um, to to be part of the, uh, the the security for that diplomatic mission in Benghazi, the February 17th Martyrs Brigade, which it turns out even on their own Facebook page had posted pictures of themselves flying an Al Qaeda flag. This was the group what? the U.S. State the U.S. State Department was literally <laughs> paying to provide security for the U.S. diplomatic mission in Benghazi. Um, just craziness like that. And then I'll throw in one other piece of assorted craziness. Um, as just another piece of this puzzle, you might remember uh, Paula Broadwell, who was, of course, the the mistress of then CIA chief uh, David Petraeus when he went down in a blaze of glory for his uh, dalliances. She happened to let it slip in a little speech that she was making shortly before the whole Petraeus affair, um, literally affair, uh, <laughs> came to came to light. That oh yeah, the uh, they were holding um, Libyan uh, militia members prisoner at the CIA annex there in Benghazi, and they weren't allowed to tell anyone that because yeah, it was not only completely illegal, but of course Obama when he came into office, one of the things you know, hope and change, oh, we're going to stop the CIA black sites. Of course, that's that's over. We're done with that. So. 
she was saying there was a CIA black site operating there. The CIA annex was actually holding prisoners in contravention to U.S. law. So that's just another part of what was going on there. All of this swirling around, bits and pieces of it coming out in the mainstream. Um, As I say, CNN reporting in August of last year about the the, the CIA's presence there on the ground and then following up with the stories about the polygraph tests, etc., and uh, and another aspect of the smokescreen um, earlier uh, earlier this week, we had the Blaze reporting. Uh, of course, Glenn Beck's the Blaze um, yeah. reporting about uh, the the CIA and what they were doing in Benghazi. And the Blaze is trying to make the case that what the CIA was doing was providing um, uh, the the Libyan rebels, quote unquote, the Libyan insurgents, with weapons during the the civil war that was going on there prior to Benghazi. And what happened is that operation got out of control. These weapons got out of the hands of the people they were meant to go to, and they ended up in the hands of these Al Qaeda militants. and And that's the kind of scandal of Benghazi, according to the Blaze, which. I think you'll see only kind of tangentially doesn't really even touch the real scandal. Right. But but it gave the, the CIA a chance this week to come out and say, we the, the CIA has never had an effort to arm the rebels in Libya. Um, and the, the, that had nothing to do with what was going on in Libya anyway. There was a NATO air campaign that, that changed the course of the Libyan conflict. And uh, the story implies the U.S. government was to blame for the attacks in Benghazi and, and we were not responsible for this, blah, blah, blah. So the CIA has issued their official denial of the claims that aren't really really the, the, the pertinent claims. They've issued this non-denial denial of, of something that's tangential to the whole story. So just a complete cluster something or other that's swirling around <laughs> this with all of this CIA involvement and all of these whistleblowers coming out about this. And yet the only thing that gets reported on is the fact that, uh, oh, they, they, they covered up, they knew it was an Al-Qaeda attack. So I think it's just another example of the fact that under just scratch the surface a fascinating story underneath but uh, but uh, over top they put uh, this uh, ridiculous left right political smoke screen on top of it wow uh, um, uh, what uh, a tangled web is weaved right I, I guess um, look, we've only got about uh, six or seven minutes before the end of this segment and then we're, we're uh, if we can keep you for an after show, James, because because you are a wealth of information, I gotta say, I asked you for an overview and you gave me. One. <laughs> Sorry, I went a little no, long there. <laughs> I mean, no, that's that's great. I, that's I've just been there, sitting here listening to this, thinking, "Wow, that's ridiculous." Because whenever I see this kind of stuff, um, we, I think of okay, it's very complex, right? There's a lot of there are a lot of different facets, but. I, I really question the motivation of all of those involved, you know, whether it is the CIA or the commander in chief. What is it they are all trying to achieve? What ends are they going after? James, I mean, does this boil down to something as simple as ah, oil or what or, or, or perhaps a, a global dominance over the petrodollar? I mean, what 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 is the motivation that ties into this kind of complex web? Uh, yeah, that that's a good question because I guess it goes uh, to how far kind of down down the hole you want to go. I mean, I think at the first <laughs> at the first level of analysis, what this what this scandal is really about is the 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 illegal weapons um, shipments and trades and and the the illegal weapons deals that still continue to go on to supply and to fund and to arm the uh, the militants the the terrorists in other countries for other other purposes very 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 reminiscent of Iran Contra I mean this is mm-hmm. a very I mean it's not it's not the the same players and it's not the same uh, the deals being made but but we're seeing you know weapons being shipped from one place to another in order to benefit uh, you know one or another group and and the deals that are being made 
made uh, with the the, the Al Qaeda linked groups that are supposedly the enemy, but we're we're going to fund and supply and arm them in one country because we want them to go against you know that country's government. Um, so a lot of that kind of um, uh, global geopolitics machinations that go on behind the scenes in something like this. At the I guess the 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 the, the further level of analysis. Well, why do they? bother doing this i mean why are they uh, trying to undermine why why did they overthrow gaddafi why are they trying to overthrow assad i i i think it is part of a, a coordinated agenda that's going on in the middle east that at this point it is really about destabilizing the middle east um uh specifically when we're talking about the syrian context hmm. to initiate uh sectarian fighting um sunni shia to to uh basically exacerbate that split uh and and to make sure that these people are at each other's throats exactly in line with uh policy papers and and other things that have been openly written about on behalf of not only the u.s but also israel for for decades they've talked about their desire to basically keep the middle east divided and at each other's throats so that no particular um, force can come up as a, a dominant force in the region that would that would challenge mm. the sort of American-Israeli hegemony of the region. And, uh, and we see that working perfectly because, of course, Syria was one of the, the, the natural allies of Iran, which, all things being equal, with Iraq being divided and taken off the table by the uh, U.S. forces, would be the naturally dominant player in the region. But they are not because of the way that uh, the, the, this whole... Uh, situation is playing out and basically the Sunnis are being undermined um, through a lot of different operations that are going on right I I tend to think more of incentives to try to figure this kind of stuff out you know I I mean if you are uh, a board member of Lockheed Martin and you want to see the success of your company which is Mm. heavily uh, invested into a military industrial complex uh, I could see certainly some motivation for trying to foment that kind of violence uh, abroad in order to to further your business interests, right? And this is, you know, I mean, James, I'll be honest with you, I'm really not into a lot of conspiracy stuff. You know, as I've I've said here before on this show, that's really not my, you know, my it's not really my bag, man. I was just gonna say, Ethan. But, I was just going to say, well, well, like what you just said there, people could say that right. is conspiracy. These people are patriots. They are, they're not out to make a buck. They're out to make uh, you know America safe, Ethan. Right, oh, come right. on. But I mean, in, in the two <laughs> minutes we have left, I, James, I, I think, do you, would you agree with me, though, that there really is some very strong uh, reason to look at that sort of incentive path, uh, the military-industrial complex perhaps exacerbating this problem that may be tied in with, you know, geopolitical sort of, uh, I could, I could potentially rule my corner of the world kind of that kind of stuff too like does it tie together of course it does and i think that it's really what group we're looking at analyzing and i think there are a lot of i mean obviously some something like this can't come together without the coordinated action of people in a lot of different industries for a lot of different motives including of course the, the weapons manufacturers who obviously have their natural incentive in fomenting war and destruction anywhere in the globe it's uh, all the same you know moolah in the end for them so so obviously that incentive exists on that level um and and i i think that they to a certain extent, it would be very surprising to me if people who were at the upper levels of the board level of of some of the major contractors who are deeply embedded in that military industrial complex don't know about the types of things that are done under the table, wink and a nod. But they're not, of course, involved in the operational details of something like what's mm-hmm. happening, what mm-hmm. happened in Benghazi. <laughs> that that's that's completely. I mean, they don't need to know about that, and I'm sure you know they don't for the most part. So I think it's a lot compartmentalized, and of course, the operation of 
of things like this are done um, by by a select group. Again, when we say the CIA, um, the CIA is a huge, sprawling organization, and it doesn't mean every single person. In fact, it does mean that every single person doesn't know what what's going on, even what the person you know they're they're working with is necessarily working on because of the compartmentalization. So it only requires certain people in certain positions to get certain operations um, with certain winks and a nod and uh, and right. under the table handshakes, and and every single layer of that um, hierarchy has different people involved for different reasons, including, of course, the profit motive is there for well, at, at one level for the, the military industrial. Yeah, now you, you follow that incentive path and I tell you, you come up with some creepy stuff. We're going to be back right after the music here with more with James Corbett. We're going to talk a little bit more about voluntarism. I wanted to get to that, but my God, there's so much on Benghazi, that kind of stuff. Of course, remember to check out CorbettReport.com. That's CorbettReport.com for all of James's stuff. You can catch the after show that's coming right up here at EdNeathan.com. Thanks again to everybody on Liberty Express. This is Ed Neathan.